everyone, and welcome back to the Parenting for a Change podcast. This is Matt Dinsky. I'm sitting here with Rob Marks. Rob, how are you, buddy? I'm great. Good. Last week, we introduced the podcast, and we gave five principles. We gave Kevin an overview of five principles of how parents can disciple their children, have a spiritual impact on their children for the long term. We're going to continue that conversation right now, beginning with principle number one, start them young or start them where they're at. So thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, let's jump into this and let's look at the first principle of these five that we're talking about, which is start them young. So let's break this down, Matt, in the sports analogy first. So I'm probably going to have to help you with this because yes. we've already talked about this. So for the whole this whole idea of like starting them young in the sports analogy is if you're – I'm just going to use myself as an example. So if you're an Ohio State Buckeyes fan, mm-hmm. I mean right off the bat, you're going but to But you're buy- a Michigan – Wolverines. <laughs> no. No. That's what, not what you told like you, me. I'm going to pretend like you didn't say that. Okay. Um, you're going to buy them a, before they're even born. You're already going to buy them some Ohio mm-hmm. State gear. It's going to be a Buckeyes onesie. Yep. A bib. Right? A bib. Mm-hmm. Maybe whole, some crib sheets. <laughs> crib sheets, the whole thing, right? Yep. So. And the you know we talked about this before with you like your sports I mean you you're an athletic guy I grew up playing sports you totally did everyone thinks I, I don't know anything about sports I just you know I'm not I, into I them now I, exactly. I don't know what to say I just but, so for your kids it was more of like you're an outdoor guy yes so talk yeah, to me about outdoors. what did that look like start young in that context for yeah for your our kids. family like we we try to create intentional rhythms I mean that's really what it came down to because we knew time would pass by and it all of a sudden be like months would have gone by and we, we kind of realized, man, we haven't really done the things we envisioned doing as a family. And so intentional rhythm. So we just started to plan like we want to at least go go hiking at least once a month up in the mountains. We we want to, um, like a lot of our playtime, we want to be outdoors. Mm-hmm. We we like to go, like every Saturday is kind of our weekly rhythm. And, and so we like to go to different places and do that, do that. But one of those Saturdays a month is going to be hiking somewhere. When my oldest son turned five, I took him on his first backpacking trip, like just me and him. So we had done fun. some backyard stuff before, like yeah. camping in the backyard. But this was a real trip. He's hiking on the trail. He's leading it. Um, and we're in the tent up there in, in this downpour. It was terrible weather. But but it was a memory. And and so for us, like when they were young, we, we didn't wait until it was like, all right, w- when can they start walking before right. we do this? We had a baby carrier. Yep. And we loaded them up in the front of us. Uh and we just started hiking trails even before they could even process what a trail was. They don't know that they're on a trail, but right. they're with us. And so we just started that experience even before they had the 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 context or the vocabulary to understand what everything yeah. was. Well, and I think from a sports analogy, like whether it's football, baseball, basketball, whatever the sports is, you're you're going to invite your kids to be a part of that. I mean, I know for me or or for dads that sit and hold their kids while they're watching the football game on on Saturday or they're going to teach them this is an Ohio State thing uh, where you see someone that you know is a Buckeyes fan and you say OH and they reply with an IO and so our kids learned that at a very Mm -hmm. early age they they learned pretty young to recognize somebody that was wearing an Ohio State shirt or something and they would say it to them if we were out someone didn't even know them but they would say oh dad there's a Buckeye fan, and they would say OH, and that person would reply IO. So some of it's identity, right? Like you're you're helping them understand that this is who they are. 
And some of it is inclusion. Like mm-hmm. you want them to be a part of it. Even if they can't walk yet, you're still on the trail. Even if you don't understand yeah. football yet, you're still going to sit and watch. I mean, that's yeah. a part of what Start Them Young is about. Yeah, and I, and I would argue, I think most uh, families, most parents start their children young in the priorities they have. And so we'll continue with the sports things. Mm-hmm. Like most parents who value sports start their kids young because that's a priority for them. Right. And somewhere along the line, we, we kind of get this idea into our heads when it comes to our faith and Jesus and the gospel and what all that means. We get really intimidated by it. And I think we overthink it sometimes. And I think mm-hmm. somewhere we have this category in our heads of like, well, we can't start them yet. We, we don't know how, and they won't understand it. And right. so we have to wait and formalize it and let the church teach them yep. and do all these things. And it's like, man, that's that's crazy. So, so consider like if you had kids who you wanted to be football players, mm-hmm. like you wanted them to know football and be football and, and play football, like you wouldn't wait until they were five, six, or seven and then bring them to a – coach's house right and then ask the coach to teach them everything there is to know about football so that they can play football right you would have already instilled everything that you're able to instill and and all the knowledge you have um so that you're setting them up for higher probability of success within the football track well when it comes to christianity we treat the church like like that hypothetical parent treats that coach it's like a lot of parents just don't start their children young with the gospel and and then they're you know, four, five, six, seven, and we're bringing them to a building on Sunday and hoping, yeah. hoping, hoping that these people can teach them rather than us. Sure. I I, I will say, and I, I think this is the point, like one of the things we're trying to say is the, the analogy, the sport analogy or whatever is that parents do know how to disciple their kids. They do it naturally. They do, they do it naturally with the sports thing. And, and I've talked to lots of uh, young parents who, this would be their story. They, they grew up in the church. They went to church in high school, maybe even through college, and then they got really busy mm-hmm. and they stepped away from the church. But now all of a sudden they have mm-hmm. a baby and they go, man, I need to get my kid back to church. They intuitively know, like, I need to mm-hmm. go back because I want this to be um, for my child. But it doesn't It doesn't stop there. So what I want to talk about is, because this is the point, the analogy points to, hey, parents, you do know how. If you're yep. listening to this as a parent, you do know how to disciple your child. You know how to disciple them in things like sports. But what does it look like to disciple them in faith in the context of start them young? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that because that's really the yep. lion's share of this whole thing is what does it look like to start them young in faith? And what I would argue is take the analogy and flip it over and do the same thing. So mm-hmm. if you are going to buy your kids a, a, a Baltimore Ravens onesie before they're even born – what a Jesus onesie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Jesus onesie before they're born. But there but there is this thing of going what you're what you're doing intuitively with the sports thing is this is a part of who we are as an identity and so I want that identity to be mm-hmm. spilled over onto them. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the same way if parents are big football fans and the game is on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, whatever, and if they if they've just had an infant, if they have a baby they're not they're they're not going to not watch the game mm-hmm. simply because they now have a baby. They're going to turn the game on. They're going to watch it. Will that baby understand anything they're watching? No. Absolutely not. Will that baby comprehend any of the rules in the language? Absolutely not. Will that yeah. baby be able to process and under, and comprehend? Absolutely not. Right. But it it's the trickle effect of 
You're starting them young sure. so that later, and this is one of our later points, our next point, it's normalized in the home. Like right. that That's the idea. If you wait until they're older to begin to uh, normalize it, it doesn't seem normal. Yeah. It seems this weird abstract thing. And, and so when you start them young, it's just so seamless in mm-hmm. its transition as they grow older. So in the same way, like we just came off of a, the year 2020 where many of our online services were, or many of our church services were online. online yeah. I as parents are worshiping in their living rooms, what a great opportunity to have their infants and toddlers and and kids with them in there. Even if they're not fully comprehending what they're observing or watching, it's still this this kind of distilling of the priority or yeah. the value system we have coming down in your youth, in your young age, and, and beginning to normalize that. Yeah, so I'm going to push on a bunch of stuff. Uh, I think we just talked through a bunch of this stuff, and some of it might be a little... A little pushy, but let's talk about, I mean, some practical ideas of what that looks like. So it's been a long time since my kids were young to mm-hmm. start them young. But yeah. so some of the things that Sherry and I did with our kids were we knew we were going to like reading books was important to us yeah. for our kids because we understand what that does to their cognitive development. And so we read all the same books, you know, Goodnight Moon and all those things. But we incorporated like a book like Jesus Storybook yeah. Bible where we would read that. Now, I know that the kids don't necessarily understand it, but we saw that as something that's like, no, the Bible is important to us. It's it's about what, who we are. And so we incorporated those into our nighttime routines yep. or our daytime routines. So it was it was things like that. Um, holidays. So, again, this may be a little controversial or push on some people. Christmas obviously is a big holiday for uh, us as believers, and nothing wrong with Santa Claus, but mm-hmm. we we really tended to stay away from that. Like we wanted Christmas to be about what Christmas is, mm-hmm. and so uh, silly things like we would uh, have a birthday candle and on Christmas Day and sing Happy Birthday to Jesus mm-hmm. because it's Jesus' birthday. Like we had little yeah. cinnamon rolls with the thing. Every year, did well. Did Jesus loves cinnamon rolls. Is there, <laughs> Jesus his favorite. Loves, he doesn't Jesus want sheet cake. I want no, cinnamon, cinnamon rolls. rolls. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we would do cinnamon rolls with the birthday cake and sing Happy Birthday to Jesus. We had a nativity mm-hmm. scene out every year. We played this little game even when they were little. We had the, like the Playmobil mm-hmm. nativity scene, and in it, there's this little baby Jesus. And we played this game every year where we would hide, somebody would hide baby Jesus somewhere in the room. He had to be in plain sight. He couldn't be under anything. And if you found him, you would move him to a new spot. Don't say anything. You would just move him to a new spot. Is this like Shelf on the Elf? Shelf, is it elf on the Shelf? Elf on the Shelf. I mean, <laughs> shelf on I don't the know. Elf. We, we, never, we never got into that. That was too late I don't know us. what that is, but this sounds like it. But, but then we would just keep moving him around. And then on Christmas Day, whoever knew where he was at the end would go get him and put him in the manger because we were seeking Jesus. Like we were like the wise men. We were yeah. seeking Jesus. So yeah. it also ended up in a lot of fights because people didn't always follow yeah. the rules. Competition, but, man. Exactly. Yeah. But my, my no, point really, is, fun. yeah, my point is it's like, no, like we wanted the focus of Christmas to be on Jesus' birthday and the holiday and what's been given to us through this, this Savior. So those are some things that pop into my head as far as like start them young. Yeah, I think those are great. We we read books with our kids. We still do almost every night, every day, and and the you know storybook Bible and the greatest story ever told. Kevin mm-hmm. DeYoung is a great one. And and honestly, you know, in my kids. I have five year old. He's about to turn three now, and a little one year old girl. But the boys, especially the two oldest ones, you know, they want to turn to the pages. Yep. With the most colors and like, oh, there's a soldier on that one. He's got a sword. Like that's what they're interested sure. in, which is fine. 
but but it's getting them involved in the narrative right. and um, and the overarching narrative of our lives is is the narrative of God yeah. himself, which is the scriptures. And so I think sometimes parents get intimidated by that and like, I, I don't have the biblical knowledge. Right. How do I apply this to a child or whatever? Um, and I remember one time, you know, I was doing a family devotional, I think for fellowship mm. during COVID. And we were talking about um, Jesus washing feet. And I remember my son kept interrupting the devotional, asking me like, uh, were they dirty because the guys, the disciples, the, yeah. the guys stepped in poop. Yeah. <laughs> of course. It's like, yeah, of yeah. course, man, there's poop everywhere. There, yeah. There's livestock all over the, the roads in Israel. And and so, you know, like that's where their mind is. And that's right. okay. Like that's how they're interpreting the story. That's their sure. perspective. They're more concerned about the animal poop than about yeah. Jesus serving his disciples, the king of king becoming the servants of servant, servant of servants. And that's okay. Like yeah. I think I think we just have to remember that's how they're interpreting it. That's where they're processing yeah. is and and that's beautiful yeah that's cool one of the things too like we did a lot of it's harder as they get older but a lot of eating dinner around the table and always prayed before a meal which i know is super basic but we tended to uh join hands like mm-hmm. we wanted a sense of yeah. like this is what we do as a family and this is community and um even when we were on vacation or visiting family members or something like that and that wasn't in their in their normality we would still do that like that's a part of we are. We wanted the, our kids to see from the very, very beginning, this is how we do life. Mm-hmm. This is how we walk in in faith. And so um, community groups, like a long time ago when we first started in a community group, our kids were, were young then. We wanted our kids to be in the community group with us. We Again, there's nothing wrong with having them come to the church and stay there, but we wanted our kids to be a part of the community mm-hmm. group. They, we wanted them to walk down and see their parents with their parents' friends praying together or mm. reading God's word together. Like we just thought, we just felt like that was important yeah. for them to have this sense of identity of this is who we are. And those are all things about, you know, start them young. Now, we also talked about like what happens if you're mm, listening yeah, to this yeah, yeah, and, I, you're, you're, <laughs> and, and your kids aren't young anymore. Yes. Like, yeah. and our phrase for that was, if you can't start them young. Start them now. Yeah, just start yeah. now. Yeah, just start them wherever they're at. Start them now. If you're listening, you're a parent, and you're like, oh, man, I, I don't have Too late. toddlers. <laughs> I, I have a middle schooler, a high schooler, and one who's about to go to college. I yeah. mean, or whatever the scenario is, then then start them now. Like, it, it's, it's never too late to begin to allow your faith to become contagious mm-hmm. and impact your family and those around you. Yeah. Um, I think there's some really, really intentional things you can do with that. Um, so, so the danger, uh, let's, let's talk real quick. Like what happens if we don't do this? Right. What happens if as parents, we, we just don't make this a priority. Yeah. Good question. We kind of outsource the spiritual impact of our children to the church or to other people or whatever. Um, I, I think there is a danger we need to be aware of in that. And, and so, you know, I, I like numbers. Um, I'm not good at math, but I like numbers because they tell a story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I've given myself to adolescent culture and studying adolescent culture, one of the things I try to keep up with are statistics. And yeah. currently, as of 2019, it's kind of the latest statistic. Children who were raised in Christian homes, who grew up in the church, uh, and then graduate and go to college, by, by the time they're 30 years old, Two out of every three of them, 66% or so, yeah. are going to walk away from their faith. Yeah, not, and, not good numbers. No. And there's a lot of uh, statistics and research about why. What are the contributing yeah. factors? And, and there's various ones. It doesn't really come down to a solitary factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the factors is 
that the gospel was just never in the home. Yeah. And sometimes I'll talk to parents and they'll say, well, we brought him to church though. And yeah. it's like, that's great. But does that child understand that the reason we even go to that building and listen to that message sure. and sing or, or listen to the music, do they understand that that is because we're worshiping Jesus and Jesus yeah. is the center of our hearts and family and he gets to define yeah. how our family looks? And I think a lot of children, uh, I don't think I know because I'm in student ministry and I've talked mm-hmm. to them, uh, hundreds of them over the years, they would say, my family went to church when I was a kid, we grew up in church. We'd go there on Sunday, yeah. and I never saw anything from Monday to Saturday that looked like Jesus was affecting yeah. how our family operated. Like yeah. there was no priority system. There was no value system. It simply was a ritual that we went to this place, and it never seemed to affect anything. Yeah. Kids can, can sniff out hypocrisy real fast. Yeah, and, and you know, I wouldn't say that—I that, uh, mean, these are the perspectives of yeah. teenagers, right? Like I, I want to be fair to parents here. Like sure. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's some of those parents who are really trying their hardest and yeah. doing their best, and, and we're trying to figure this thing out. But here's what I would say is like when, when you begin to share your faith, when you when Jesus yeah. is the the priority of your life and when you're passionately, um, radically in love with him and following him and, and submitting to him, when you overflow that into the lives of your children, yeah. they pick that up and they're sponges. I mean, they they just soak it all up. And so the, the whole idea of starting them young or starting them now it's not just so that we're setting them up. It, right. It's so that the family becomes oriented around the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I, I think many parents, I think my faith has grown tremendously as I've become a daddy yeah. and tried to spiritually impact my kids because I'm just understanding God's love more and more as yeah. a heavenly father. And and so it, it's had an effect on my faith. Yeah, this, this goes down that road of, and we've said it before, like you can't lead your kids where you're not. So... Don't don't go into this starting them young and trying to like hey we're gonna pray if that's not if prayer isn't a part of your life so again if you're listening to this as a parent what I would say to you is start focusing on how do you have a deeper walk with God yourself personally mm-hmm. and and let that spill over in, into your kids but there are things that you can do on a regular basis and I I get it if your kids are older and now all of a sudden you haven't prayed ever as a family and now all of a sudden you want to, it's gonna feel it's gonna feel awkward, but I would just push I would just push yeah. through it. I, I can remember uh this was, you know, Sherry's brilliance of like, hey, she and I think this really was driven more out of like, hey, it took me forty five minutes to fix a meal and they're gonna consume it in fifteen minutes mm-hmm. and want to be gone. And she's like, no, like we're gonna stay around the table and we're gonna mm-hmm. have conversations, which was really about community. And the kids, of course, thought that was dumb. Like, what are we going to talk about? And would sit there and go, there's nothing to talk about. What? And we just stayed with it. Yeah. And and now it's fostered this, like, this habit in them of going, no, the dinner table is a chance to come and eat and sit and talk and listen. And there's there's some real deep community that happens in all that. So, again, it's it's like you've got to start them young, and you got to start that process early early on. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I think, too, like— as we think about our kids and we think about how they're wired, like how do you engage them in faith and what does that look like? I would just as a parent start thinking through what are the things that I want to foster in them and how do I put it in front of them and just Mm -hmm. practice it. For kids, it has to be repetitive over and over again. We were talking about this earlier. It's like 
using the same prayer over and over again. That's not dumb. That's not right. That that's that's awesome because you're yeah. teaching them something. So so this uh, like one of the things you know, Lauren and I had to wrestle with as new parents is the category of discipline. Like, yeah. what does that look like? Uh, do we just discipline like we were disciplined as kids, mm-hmm. or are there things to rethink? Should we yeah. should we refine it a little bit? And and so we really you know. Yeah, begin to ask a lot of questions. What what should healthy discipline look like? Yeah, and um, and in that, I, I don't even know where this started, but I, I just landed on a few words from my kids because I I never wanted to uh, you know discipline them, um, put them in the we have a timeout corner, put them in the timeout corner, yeah. and not help them understand why, right. especially as young kids. And so whenever they got in timeout, when they would come out, I would ask them, do you understand why you yeah. got in timeout? And I would help them understand it. But I but I would always tell them, I mean, this has been years now, and again, I don't know where these came from. Just one day, I think, yeah. I was like, oh, these sound good. Yeah. But I, I remember telling my oldest son when he was younger, hey, buddy, in this family, the way we use our words, mm-hmm. we speak clear, we speak calm and we speak kind. Yeah, that's how we talk to one another. And when I started using those words, like all of a sudden, it gave them categories. So when they would get right. in trouble or disciplined or whatever, uh, you know, when they started to whine or you know, like do this stuff, just and they're upset about something, but right. they're not being clear. They're sure. Like they're not helping me understand what it is. Their emotions are getting the better of them. And so we've learned over time. There's some calm down techniques that yeah. we do, but we've <laughs> learned over time. If you're not clear, Daddy can't help. Right. And so they've learned how to be clear or if they're not kind. And my middle child especially can be pretty unkind to mommy in particular. And he can have a real bad attitude. And so he gets in timeout a lot. And and I'll ask him, hey, buddy, when you did that, was it kind or do you think it hurt mommy? And and so I'll help him process. And then calm, like because sometimes the tone goes up or or they're – (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. their, their whole, you know, their whole cadence is, is off or, or they're just so upset about right. something. And, and, you know, I think the tendency is just like, hey, calm down, calm down. Right. And, and that they don't know how to calm down. Mm. So the words have given them categories over the years. And we've done it now for three or four years. We speak clear, calm mm-hmm. and kind. And I was telling Trent that my oldest, even before he really understood what those words meant. Right. I was telling Gray, my middle, even before he understood what those words went, and now meant, and now they have categories right. based on experience and processing with Daddy. Oh, that's what it means. And when I get out of line, that's what it feels yeah. like. Don't you feel too, as a parent, you need to hear that for yourself as you're engaging them. Like I've got to. It has helped me speak. Yeah, I got to be calm, calm and kind. clear, and, and it, kind. it has made it has risen in awareness. And when I raise my voice yeah. or my tone with them. Or if, man, they're, they're just pushing the buttons that day or I'm sure. really irritable. Like those words come to mind. I'm like, Matt, you got a model for them, which you expect from them. Right. And he, like you can't have this double standard. And I remember this, this guy came over recently. Um, he was installing internet in my house. He was one of the technician salesmen and he's got uh, a couple of kids. And we were just talking about right. childhood or child raising and things like that. And he was telling me about some of the challenges that his toddlers were giving sure. them. And I said, hey, man, I don't know if this helps, but here's how we navigate it. I tell my kids all the time, like, this is how we speak, clear, calm, and kind. And we repeat it, and I always bring them back to that every time they get in trouble. It's either because they disobeyed or because they're not in those categories. And, man, he looked at me. He's like, dude, could I – could I take that? Yeah. Could I steal that? I was like, of course. Yes, man. It's like, going to cost you, though. I don't have the royalties on this. <laughs> yes, yes you, you can. But but it's helped my children understand yeah. what we expect, how, it's, how it looks, how it feels, how it sounds when yeah. they're out of line. And we started it. I mean, it, this is the key to all that. We started it before Born. they knew what it meant, and we've helped them understand yeah. what it means through experience, through patience, through endurance, through yeah. all that. 
so that they're actually beginning to get it and process it. Yeah, that's a great example. Um, It made me think while you were saying that, that I think as parents, one of the things we can do with Start Them Young is there have been some times with my kids that I actually wasn't kind, clear, and calm Mm -hmm. and having to go back to them and apologize and, and ask for forgiveness for them. And I think... And that was early on. Like they experienced yep. that for me early on, and and uh, I know that's hard as a parent. Yep. Like you, you don't want to do that because you feel like you're losing, but in reality, you're gaining. Like yep. you're winning because it gives you a chance to model for them. Like, hey, I mess up, and when I do, I can apologize and I can ask for forgiveness and ask them to give that to me. Yeah, so. and the beauty of that is, and and I've done that too. And I, and I'll confess, man, it feels really, really weird to ask a four year old to forgive you. <laughs> you know, it feels yeah. kind of like, hey, what? I'm the one in charge here. Like, yeah, but yeah. but you know, when you're you lose your temper, you're out of line. You want to model to them that. And and mm-hmm. here's the beautiful thing is that down the road, they're going to understand what it means to repent and ask for forgiveness yeah. way better than if you just started using that language then. Right. Why? Because they've already seen it at a young age. So again, back to the discipline thing, every single time my kid comes out of timeout, I help them understand, do you know why you got in timeout? Right. And then after that, okay, what do you need to do now, buddy? Right. And if it if he disobeyed mommy, then it's you need to go and say you're sorry to mommy. If it's yeah. you were unkind to your brother, you need to. So so we're trying to help them understand. Here's the categories we think in, talk in, behave yep. in. We always obey mommy and daddy. And if you have a question, you can ask why, but it's it's yes, daddy, why? Like yeah. you, you yeah. never rebel first. It's always obedience first, then investigation. And if you ever uh, get out of line, you're in timeout, or you get your discipline or whatever, and when you come out, I'll help you understand it, and I want to help you learn how to yeah, make it right. That's good. And they're not going to get that unless I also model that to them. And so, yeah, there have been times when I've yeah. had to go to my kids and tell them, dude, daddy messed up. Would you forgive me? I'm sorry. Yeah. I remember one of, one of my kids, they were really young. I don't even remember what they did, but I had this whole conversation with them. I said, hey, um, I want to let you know, like, I have a Heavenly Father who forgives and is gracious, and so... As your father, I'm going to forgive and be gracious for you on this, and I'm not going to punish you. And I wanted them to understand, like this is like, this is like what what it looks yeah. like, you know. And the next time they got in trouble, they told me like, "Don't forget, Dad, you you have a heavenly father who's been gracious." <laughs> <laughs> they started to leverage said, it. That's so good. Said, that's no, so this good. time though, it's not going to work that way. <laughs> but so, sometimes God does this. Sometimes that's me. right. Sometimes. Um, that's no, right. that's great, man. That, that uh, just sparked a memory for me. Sometimes. Man, I love to bring gifts to my kids. Like receiving gifts is like my lowest love language for me personally, but giving gifts is, I just love it. Yeah. And so sometimes I'll, you know, go to the dollar section at Target or or whatever and and pick up something and uh, and I'll bring it home and I'll say, all right, guys, daddy got you a gift. And I'll ask him, you know why I got you this gift? Yeah. Is it your birthday? Is it a holiday? Do you know why daddy got you this gift? They're like, no. And I tell him just because daddy loves you. Yeah. That's, that's why I got you the gift. And I, and I'm trying to build foundational blocks sure. of key things about the gospel that, you know, I could set, sit them down and say, hey, you guys know that there's an invisible heavenly father. <laughs> you don't know what heaven is, but bear with me, yeah, guys. Bear who, with me on this one. Who loves you and gave you a free gift. And, right. and the invisible God became a physical God. And yeah. He has a different name. His name is Jesus. Like, I could do that route. But they're so young that there would be a lot of blanks in there. Yeah. So instead, what I try to do is use the language they get sure. and model it to build the foundational blocks that point them to the gospel so that later I can leverage, and now we're beginning to understand. Yeah, that's awesome. So our first thing has been start them young. I think we've given some great examples. Mm-hmm. You actually have an example. Yeah, I might save it for the next episode. You're going to save it for yeah, the next I'm, episode? Yeah, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. Yeah. All right, we'll save it for the next episode. Yep. So 
Start them young. Um, the next episode, we're going to move into the principle number two, mm-hmm. which is yeah. normalizing it in your home. Yeah, make it normal. Make it normal. So that's going to be our next episode.